Uninformed immigrants are at a huge disadvantage in court, in financial and legal matters, and also sometimes in life. Well, what can we do about it? I'll tell you what. We can train, teach, inspire, and empower immigrants to maximize their lives regardless of their immigration status. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. I am your immigration lawyer and host, Otis Landerholm, and this is the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. Welcome, welcome, uh, and thank you so much for being with me. Welcome to another episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live. My name is Otis Landerholm. My name is Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. All right? And so thank you so much for being with me today. Today, um, yeah, welcome. Thank you for being here. You know, today we're doing the Empowered Immigrant Live. All right. And, and, you know, uh, at the Empowered Immigrant Live, we are here to train, to teach, to inspire, to empower immigrants to make the most out of immigration law and to make the most out of their lives. Today, our theme is deportation proceedings. And this is like the 2021 update on deportation proceedings. And thank you to everyone who asked your questions. We've got 30 minutes to discuss this topic in English, and then we'll also do this episode in Spanish. Así que si usted habla español, que venga para participar con nuestro taller a las dos y media en media hora, okay? So thank you. We'll do that in Spanish in 30 minutes, and welcome, and thank you all for being here. So we're going to talk about deportation proceedings. Are you ready for that? All right? Are you ready to talk deportation? So uh, before we get into the questions that people have asked, and yes, thank you to everyone who submitted your questions. Before we get into the questions, I want to discuss the basics, all right? The big basic is that if you are facing deportation proceedings, or if you have been ever ordered deported in the past, do not do this alone. Do not do it alone, all right? Like... You don't want to mess around with that. And it's, it's amazing to me how many people every year go to immigration court and are in deportation proceedings by themselves. And you, it's a mistake. It's a mistake. I'll show you the numbers. It's a, it's a horrible mistake. Did you know that in 2020, all right, 185,884 people were deported? All right, that's 2020. We're in the middle of a coronavirus pandemic, and there's still over 180,000 human beings were deported from the United States. All right, did you know that this year, so far, 2021, this year, immigration courts have ordered the deportation of 24,684 people? And the year's just getting started. All right? What is this? It's July 3rd. I guess we're halfway done with the year. All right? We're just getting started, and there's already this many people, and the pandemic's still been on. And, and ca cases have been closed down in courts. Thousands of hearings have been canceled. And still, there's that many thousands of people 
who have been ordered deported. Like, think about it. And, and I, want you to, I want you to think about this, all right? I'll, I'm just going to talk about asylum cases for a second, because asylum is a big chunk of the cases that are in immigration court. Asylum cases in court with a lawyer, all right? Get your mind around this, all right? 226,000 cases were approved. Out of 495,000 cases that had applied, that's a 46% win rate with a lawyer nationwide versus asylum cases in immigration court without a lawyer, all right? Without a lawyer, only 18,246 cases won. Out of a total of 120,507 total cases, that is a 15% win rate without a lawyer. So just looking at that, if you have no lawyer, your, best, your chances of success, just looking at the numbers, is approximately 15%, all right? If you do have a lawyer, your chances triple up to 46%. And now let me tell you something that'll really knock your socks off, all right? Not just having a lawyer, but if you have my office as your lawyer, our office won over 90% of our asylum cases in immigration court. Think about that. That's crazy. So it's like going without a lawyer, your chances are low. Going with a lawyer, your chances triple. And going with a lawyer who really knows what they're doing, who's really going to take their time and effort to look at every possible argument to maximize your chances of staying in the United States, your chances could double again. Think about it, all right? Think about it. Don't go alone. Did I make my point? All right, I hope I've made, made my point. One other thing, yes, I have written the book, all right? This is There Is Hope, Your Guide to Winning in Immigration Court. You can get this for free. Go to our website, landerhomeimmigration.com. Click under the free resources tab and download it for free. Just click, click on the free deportation guide. This is our biggest download. You could buy it on Amazon too, but you know, just go and click there. You can download it for free. Do it. All right? All right. Anyway, so let's get into it. What are deportation proceedings? What are they? All right? Imagine, imagine you are standing in a courtroom. Imagine the judge is up there. Imagine your lawyer's there next to you. And imagine that the government lawyer is sitting like across the aisle. And imagine that you're answering questions, sometimes intimate questions about your life. All right? Details that maybe you've never shared with anybody before. All right? Imagine that you've submitted documents. You've written declarations and explanations. You've submitted lots of other evidence. And you're there and you're asking and, and with your lawyer, right, you're asking, you're arguing, you're explaining, you're requesting. 
that you be allowed to stay in the United States, that you be allowed to apply for some kind of immigration benefit, that you be granted whatever it is, asylum, a green card, some other type of benefit that will allow you to stay in the United States and in some instances to allow you to work in the United States. And from my perspective, it's like I'm standing there and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the judge, right? Don't deport my client, judge. Don't deport my client, judge. He's eligible for asylum. And here's our application. All right? Here's the evidence. Don't deport my client, judge. She's applying for cancellation of removal. She's got kids, all right, here in the U.S. She's been here for 10 years. Her kids would suffer an insane amount of harm if, if you deported her. All right? Don't deport my client, judge. He's eligible for VAWA. Don't deport my client, judge. She's got a U visa. Don't deport my client, judge. He's eligible for a green card through marriage to a U.S. citizen. And here's the paperwork. Don't deport my client, judge. He's eligible for some other immigration benefit. Like, let's look at every possible immigration benefit out there and let's go through it with a fine-toothed comb so that we leave no stone unturned so that we find the solution to maximize your chances of staying in the United States. That is what deportation proceedings is about. Okay? And here's the thing. The judge might say yes, and the judge might say no. And if the judge says yes, you'll get your immigration benefit. Congratulations. And if the judge says no, you'll be ordered deported. And that is the way it works. And now, if everything goes bad, everybody asks, right? If everything goes bad and I lose my case, what do I do? Well, we can talk about appeals. We can talk about motions to reopen. We can talk about motions to reconsider. We can talk about other things to do, tricks, tools in the immigration lawyer's toolbox, if the case goes the wrong way, all right? And, and sometimes there are judges that are good, and sometimes there are judges that are not so good, all right? And so the strategy is, hey, if we're going in front of a judge that's not so good, we want to make every argument possible to preserve your arguments for appeal, all right? If we know that the chances are against us in the court, then, hey, we want to, we want to go extra to preserve every single thing possible to maybe give you the, the best um, chances of winning on appeal. All right. So uh, what's the process like, all right? I've talked about kind of what deportation proceedings are, but what's the process like? It starts with a document, all right? It's a document, they, they call it the Notice to Appear or the NTA, all right? If you have received a Notice to Appear or an NTA, it's time to call a lawyer. That's, that's the time, that's the time, all right? The second step though, after you've received that notice, Eventually, you will be scheduled for what we call a master calendar hearing. And at the master, it's basically a preliminary hearing. It's, it's short and sweet, all right? We go in, we explain your strategy. We also have to plea to the charges on the notice to appear. 
We need to let the judge know what your game plan is. We need to let the judge know what form of immigration benefit, what form of immigration relief are you going to be applying for. Step three is we've got to prepare and submit that application for whatever benefit, all right? And yeah, sometimes we can apply for a work permit too at that time, okay? So prepare the application. That's actually a large and very important and very critical step. You don't want to, you don't want to treat that, um, you know, haphazardly. And then the fourth step is what we call the individual hearing, or some courts refer to it as the merits hearing. It's basically the trial, all right? And you're in court, and that's where you are, you know, it is very frequent that we go to court and our clients end up crying on the witness stand because they're getting so personal explaining how a deportation would affect their life, how a deportation would affect their family, their kids, their spouse, their their, their parents, right? Whoever. In the individual hearing, it all comes together, all right? And we, we explain what, uh, what our arguments are for why you qualify and why you're eligible for whatever that benefit is that we applied for. Asylum, uh, cancellation of removal, a green card through marriage, some kind of a waiver of deportation, uh, whatever the situation is, okay? The individual hearing is where it all comes together. All right, so to recap, what are the four steps? What did I just say? What are those four steps? Pop quiz! What are the four steps? One, you receive a notice to appear. Two, you have a master calendar hearing. Sometimes you have several, all right? Three, you have to prepare and submit an application for relief. And four, you go to trial about it, you got to fight about it. You've got to put on the evidence. You've got to have your hearing. We call it the individual hearing. Got it? That's it. That's what, that's what removal proceedings are all about. All right, great. So we've talked about removal defense. We've talked about the basic process. Now let's get into some questions. You ready for it? It's 2.15. Oh, man, we were born ready. We were born ready. My first question comes from Javier. Javier, thank you for submitting your question. You're awesome, and thank you for it. Javier asks, he says, my dad's hearing was canceled because of COVID. Do I need to worry about that? What's going to happen? All right. So Javier, thank you so much. Awesome. Yes, many hearings throughout the whole country have been rescheduled because of the COVID pandemic. All right. Do not worry about it. The immigration court will reschedule your dad's hearing, all right? They will send you a new hearing notice. The most important thing is to make sure that your dad's address that's on file with the court is up to date so that he can get the hearing notices. You want him to always be able to get the hearing notice so he doesn't miss one. If he misses one, then the judge has to order him deported in his absence. All right, you don't want that. And so, uh, but this has happened again and again throughout the pandemic. Many hearings have been postponed. Okay, so, um, so, so great. Uh, that, that's something to be aware of. Um, what else do I want to say about that? Um, your dad's hearing was canceled because of COVID. Okay, this is what I also want to say. Um, I don't 
I don't have a way to like share my screen right this moment. I'm sorry about that. But there is a website that you can go to. If you put in um, EOIR case status into like a Google search, and if you put in your A number, the, uh, the case can pop up and it'll show you when your next hearing is. All right. There's also a 1-800 number. You could put that in EOIR 1-800, you know, number, case processing number. And you can listen in and you hit one for English, two for Spanish, and then you enter your A number, the nine-digit number, and you can see when your next hearing is. So Javier, your dad's hearing was canceled because of COVID. You can see if it's been recalendared and if there's a new hearing notice, um, and you can do that either on the internet uh, or through the phone. All right, perfect. My next question, my second question, comes from Marisol. Marisol, thank you. Uh, Marisol asks, what is the Niz Chavez case that I heard about in the news? All right, so Marisol, I'm impressed, right? I'm impressed. Good. That's a great question. The Niz Chavez case is a U.S. Supreme Court decision. It came down, I don't have the date in front of me, it was like three weeks ago, very recently. And that case decided that sometimes the Department of Homeland Security, sometimes the government doesn't do their notices to appear properly. Remember, in order to, that first step to be put into immigration court proceedings is the notice to appear, all right? And so that's U.S. Supreme Court case. The U.S. Supreme Court says, hey, government, some, you got to wake up. Sometimes you're not even doing your own forms properly. And so uh, what, they, what the Supreme Court specifically said in that case is that the notice to appear has to have the date and the time and the location of your hearing in order to, quote unquote, stop the time. I'm not going to get into the stop time rule right this second, but in order to stop the time of a person's 10 years, remember to apply for cancellation of removal, a person has to have 10 years physical presence in the United States. But if you're NTA during those 10 years, it can stop the time. And, uh, but the NTA has to be done properly in order to stop the time. So that's great. Um, so here's the thing. If you have a notice to appear, what's the takeaway? The Niz Chavez takeaway is, if you have a notice to appear, pull it out and look at it. Look at, does your notice to appear state the date, the time, and the location written on that notice? Because if, you, if it doesn't, which millions of notices to appear do not have that information, and if yours doesn't, hey, you might have a cool argument that you can present in court, all right? And so look at your NTA, talk about it with your lawyer, all right? There might be a great strategy that you could use, that your lawyer could use through the Niz Chavez case, all right? So Marisol, thank you for asking that question. Hope my answer was helpful. Um, great. My third question today comes from Michael. Let's see, Michael, Michael asks, if my asylum case has been pending for years, specifically since 2017, can I ask them to please send me to immigration court because I'm tired of waiting? Wow, uh, Michael, that's a great question. That's a great question. Thank you for asking it. You are not alone with this question, all right? And, and the asylum process, like there are thousands of pending asylum cases throughout the United States. And, and the answer, unfortunately, is no, 
there's not a way to ask them to directly send an asylum case to court and like to not have an interview. All right. However, and, and I should say, you know, you, you don't want to, it would be, it would be unwise to do that. Like it'd be wonderful if you can win your case in front of USCIS and not have to go to immigration court. And I know that they take forever. All right. And in certain contexts, in certain situations, the asylum cases are so backlogged, it can be very frustrating. And I want to explain also that in some contexts, there is a way to ask an asylum office to expedite your case. And it's not easy to do. I'm not going to get into that aspect of asylum cases right here, right now, just for time purposes. But talk to your asylum lawyer. Or if you don't have one, you know, give my office a call. We can discuss how to expedite an asylum case and whether or not that would be strategic, whether or not, whether or not that would be wise in your situation. It's not easy to get an asylum case expedited. All right? So uh, bottom line is it's not easy to just, like, get your case into immigration court if you're tired of waiting. And let me say also that, you know, immigration court also is ridiculously slow and backlogged. All right? Like, we have immigration cases that are going to be pending for like the next three, four, five years, all right? Absent a change in the law, which we're all hoping will happen, which I'll get to in just a second, I think. All right, my next question comes from Maria. Maria, thank you so much. Maria asks, what about the Biden administration's new priorities? All right, perfect, great question. And thank you for asking that question. Yes, all right. The Biden administration, like in their first week in office, took steps and created a new process to undo the craziness that was under the Trump administration. And I'm not going to get political, but let me just tell you, Trump and his immigration policies were crazy. All right. And so let's start to undo them. Biden, thank you very much. And so Biden has decided to focus ICE's enforcement priorities on only really three categories of people. And so, Maria, you're asking a great question. So then what are those new and the current ICE priorities? They're ba according to the memo, right, they're basically three priorities or like the, the main people that ICE is supposed to be targeting and putting into deportation proceedings. Um, and, and or, you know, uh, enforcing uh, a deportation if there was already a deportation order. Those three people are, number one, national security threats. Number two, border security threats, which they define as anyone who entered unlawfully after November 1st of last year, November 1st of 2020. So recent border crossers, all right? And number three, people who pose a threat to quote-unquote public safety. And there they have a, a large, you know, the memos go into, and I have separate videos that explain this memo, the, the memos that govern this, but people who pose a public safety threat, they're looking at criminal activities, they're focusing especially on anyone with an with a aggravated felony um, uh, on their record, or who have participated in gang activities, all right? Those are the people that are like top priority under the Biden administration's new 
uh, memos. And so those are the people that ICE uh, is focusing on, all right? And not just any and everyone who has any and every immigration law violation, um, which uh, had been the case under the Trump administration. Okay? And uh, we're getting down to it. It's 225. Um, I've got to be intentional here. Um, an another question that I'm going to get to is uh, from Adam. Adam asks, hey, what about immigration reform? And like, oh, man, uh, Adam, thank you for that one. Uh, you're, asking, you're asking the question, all right? Yes, what about immigration reform? I mean, the answer is really no news yet. No news yet, my friend. No, no news yet out there. I'm waiting. We're all waiting. I'm waiting. I'm wanting. I'm pushing. You know, we knew it would not be easy. All right, to get any group of politicians to like actually agree on anything is never easy, especially in a country with all kinds of conflicting priorities, right? Conflicting viewpoints, priorities, philosophies on life, everything else. Like it is not easy for our Congress in Washington, D.C. to agree. But in Washington, they're trying, they're working on it. All right, they are, trust me. <laughs> and in the meantime, it's like, don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath because you know something? It might happen, but guess what? It also might not happen. All right? It might happen, it might not. And so here's the thing. If you're eligible for an immigration benefit, this has been my stance since the beginning. Don't wait for what may or may not happen in some supposed future. Find a way to live your life to the fullest today. All right? Like, if you're undocumented, and if you're tired of it, call a lawyer today. See if there's a way to fix it today. All right? Don't wait to see whether or not Congress can finally get its act together. All right? They are slow. All right. They're slow and they're kind of awful and they don't really, I mean, you know, some people want it. Some people don't. Some people are for it. Some people are horribly against it, you know? And if you ask me for my opinion, it's like, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take over Washington, man. We gotta like, we gotta get more people to vote that understand immigration law or, and who are willing to vote on it and get some of these old-timer, conservative, loony, crazy people who are politicians and who don't trust anybody from other countries and who don't trust anybody that doesn't look and act exactly like them, we got to vote them out of there, all right? We got to vote them out of there. We got to replace them with some, you know, people with energy and life and soul and who get it so that we you know, can really change the law. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take uh, better election processes. There are some other questions. Um, I got a question here from, from Tommy regarding U visas. And so thank you, Tommy, for that. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details about your specific case. But here's the thing. If you were the victim of a crime here in the United States, all right, like you have the ability to apply for a U visa. I am planning on doing a whole separate video on updates to the U visa, 
The U visas are horribly, horribly slow. All right, I can see there's another question here that we've received um, from Mr. Anhaili. All right, thank you. Um, about U visas, all right? So uh, U visas are horribly, horribly slow. Um, here's the deal. The law requires that only 10,000 U visas can be approved in any one year, all right? And since about 2016, maybe 2015, there's been three times that. There's been 30,000 U visas being received by immigration every single year, which basically means there's a waiting list that's like growing longer and longer and longer every single year, all right? And, and for the person who asked the question, I see you applied in 2018. My math and my estimates say if you applied in 2018, you're going to receive a decision probably in 2028, 2029, or 2030, all right? And that's just me doing the math. And, uh, and if you want to see the real breakdown on how I come up with that number, I've got a separate video. You could, you could Google it um, or YouTube search it, um, and you could say, hey, uh, U-Visa updates. Um, but I will do a whole seminar on uh, YouTube, or I'll do a whole uh, Empowered Immigrant Live on the U-Visa uh, pretty soon, actually. And so I can go deeper into that question at that point in time. All right, that's all I've got time for today. It's 2.30. i got to run to my version in Spanish. Thank you all so much for being with me for another episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. If you like what you heard and if you want to learn more, please go to LanderholmImmigration.com forward slash podcast.